Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast. I'm Darren Potts. I'm your host, as always, here on the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Ruddy. Michael has won the Irish Cup, County Arm Shield, at Crusaders. He's also played for Ards, Ballymena, and he has recently signed for Portadown. I get his thoughts on portions of his career so far and his aspirations for his move to Portadown and working under Matthew Tipton. It's a really good conversation. Hopefully, you enjoy it. We talk about the Irish Cup, we talk about his time at Crusaders, the County Adam Shield, we talk about Ards, playing under Spike at Ballymena and a lot more with a very funny story about William Bingham. That's all I'll say right now. But give me a follow, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Potscast. It is the birthday month of The Potscast. One year old, really good year so far. Excited to keep bringing you content. Thank you guys for listening. But without further ado, here's Michael Ruddy. Five, four, three, two, one. Michael, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on the show today. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Likewise, it's 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 been wild trying to get you here. We've got you on. We're going to talk to you about your football career in the Irish League and some some of your sort of favourite moments. Um, I have to start out with the story of the stolen car, the one that Sean O'Neill told me on his episode of the podcast where he stole your car and hit it and told you at half time. What is that story from your point of view? Yeah, well, it was previous. He had, um, I think he had made, um, even we were, it was after training and he, he had made, I don't know, some sort of joke. I can't, I can't remember exactly what the joke was or whatnot, but as he was in the shower, um, Sorry, as he was, as he walked out of the shower and he was over to getting um, dry and whatnot, he had just put his new t-shirt on. I can't remember the make of his t-shirt, but it wasn't it wasn't cheap. It was expensive, expensive enough. But I just he said something and I just grabbed a bit of shower gel and just like squirted over his t-shirt and he, he he took it well and whatnot. We had a bit of crack, but then like the next training night he was like. Yeah, my top stand and it like oh, won't come out. You've actually ruined my top. I think this t-shirt was like, I don't know, like 80, 80 quid or something. I was like, well, listen, mate, you, you started it, so I just finished it and sort of probably a rookie mistake thinking the person I was dealing with, that would be the end of matters. Um it, it wasn't the end of that end of, end of matters there. It was to continue on. Little did I know uh, we were playing then Avon at Seaview and um, boys have a bit of a table tennis and all before before the game uh, and I, I went on but I, I took my, my money my phone and my car keys out of my pocket and sat at the table to go and play that's that's that was dead on anyway I played the table tennis and whatnot and I came back and I left them my phone and my money and I, I didn't even click on that my keys were missing um, anyway we on over to the change room and uh, we're getting ready for the game and whatnot. He was captain. He was captain. I can't, uh, chicken and Coach at the time and, uh, were injured, I think, maybe. Uh, he was captain. So he was he was, he was, was first in line. And for whatever reason, I was second coming out of the change room. And I'm never second. But um, I was sort of uh, speaking to someone behind me. Anyway, waiting, waiting to go out on the pitch. And he had... Said a wee remark to the to the 
officials, the referee and whatnot, and he was giggling. And like I sort of like you know, my ears perked up and I turned around and was like, oh, I have put his car in as the car parked and he, he has no clue what's going on. It's like I just got a brand new Mercedes and I was like brand new uh, Mercedes automatic equipment, top of the range. I was I was in love with the car. And he's he's stolen he's skimmer, he was a close mate. He um gave him followed him up to Asda, dropped him back down, you know, so I didn't notice any difference while I was playing the table tennis. So he was saying that he was actually talking to officials, I I've, I've stole his car. It's up in Asda car park and he hasn't got a clue. And I just tapped him on the shoulder and I says, What do you just say there? And he just burst out laughing. <laughs> and I, my, my head was, my head was gone. I was like, you, no, you're not. You're winding me up at all. And this stage, the referee just like started walking out the pitch. My head was gone. I was, it was like, is he taking a piss here? Is he for real? And, and then he was like, I said, no, mate, I, I took your car. Anyway, <laughs> for the, the first twenty five minutes of that game, I was absolutely horrendous. Head gone. At Baxter. Um, shouting over, get him, get his head in the game, get him sorted. I was just, oh, Tuffy was kicking balls out to Andy Hall, and I just couldn't get the timing or the jump or nothing. I, he thought I was a lost puppet there for the first twenty five <laughs> minutes of that game. And I was, and but but after the game, you know, Sean had actually said to the gaffer, you know, like, <laughs> I actually stole his car, and that's why his head was, you know, gone that first half, and. We laughed about it, and then we're over getting we're over getting um be uh, post match meal and whatnot over in um the McDonald Center, and uh, he had just I'd finished I'd finished mine, and he had he had just um sat down his it was because he was last over it was like it was hardly any food left, so I just like had a tin of coke sitting beside me, and I sort of just poured it all over his chicken curry. <laughs> and, and like he just had to throw it out. The manager wasn't happy because he thought you know I was wasting food messing about, but he didn't he didn't know the full story behind it all. So that's how that episode of Sean O'Neill started. And I mean, and the the sneaky one in the background, all that skimmer, you know, uh, giving him a little he, helping he's hand. Supposed to be, he's supposed to be a close mate, and he's he 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 was in on it too, like you know, so. I was just I had honestly my I, I had no clue at the time and then I actually just couldn't believe it after. Skimmer actually had to give me a lift lift up to uh, Asda after to get my car. I was like, where where did you uh, where did you put where just park it? And they wouldn't even tell me where I parked it. And like Asda's oh, a big car park. And I'm walking about Asda trying to look for a new car and I was I was an angry hair was starting it on in the end, you know, it was getting it was getting wound up, but Sure, it was all part and parcel with a bit of banter. Skimmer been the asked twice that day. Uh, like, um... If anybody knows him, like he's he wouldn't be the sharpest tool in the box, like so. He's he's brain dead, like. <laughs> um, something else that you mentioned there was the table tennis. You took the, you've took your money out, your phone out, your keys out. I've had a few of the lads talk about the table tennis. How competitive is that? You boys are going oh, for Oh, it's it's ruthless. You know, it's others. Uh, they're actually introducing fines now. Um, if you get you get whitewashed, <laughs> it, it would be it'd be mostly doubles you play. You know, so everybody you know get, gets gets to go on it and have their fair share. 
But it's actually a fiver now if you were to get whitewashed. Two boys would pay a fiver. And, you know, when it's getting the 4 nil, 5 nil, the boys are up shouting, going mad. They'll, you know, and to be honest, you feel the pressure and all. Sometimes it's like, you know, it's 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 an experience. You know, it's, it's good crack. It's great for the change room, you know, having that bit of a... Having that bit of crack and banter before the game and whatnot, and yeah, it's it's very very competitive, very competitive. Who is is a reigning champion, or who's the team to beat? No, everybody sort of mixes and matches, but you know, there's like there's two real standout players. Like uh, for me, like is is Ben Kennedy and uh, David Cousley. Some of their rallies and shots, you know, it's, it's a disgrace. Like it's you. you you borderline. They could probably go professional. The one that is that good, but uh, but Billy Billy Joe Burns. He thinks he's he he thinks he's a great player, but he, he he's just not at their level. Like you know, he although he would tell you that, but no, he's he's just he's not at their level. He thinks he's better than what he is. To be fair, <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Like you said, it's probably good for the changing room and stuff as well. You know, all the banter and and whatnot. Oh yeah, it's it's brilliant. The boys are all it's like boys actually come down maybe forty five minutes early just to start playing table tennis. <laughs> it's it's so it's it's so competitive. It's a great laugh, great crack, and 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 everybody everybody loves it. And it's it's uh, it's brilliant. It's it's good to have. Do you ever get the gaffer on it or Big Jeff? <laughs> The uh, first TV, he's he's got it. He's got a bit about him. Like he, he he's he's uh he's he's decent. But now they, they they win not so much nowadays. Um, very early on when we sort of just got the table tennis table and whatnot. Uh, he he would be on it a bit, but no, not not of late. And Spearsy, no Spearsy. Uh, maybe if he's down early with one or two others, he maybe jump on for a game. Too, but. No, very rarely go on. Those boys, the more serious heads on, I think, before the game, you know, all that sort of thing. But we'll, we'll, we'll take it right back because I want to know, when you started your career, you came up through Green Island and stuff and you played with quite a lot of guys who are now playing in the Irish League. Was your goal always to play in the Irish League and uh, play as high as you can? Yeah, I, I think there's maybe, it could be as many as seven or eight. Out of my one Green Island team, I think are all playing Irish League football. We had a very good, we had a very good team back then. But yeah, um, that was probably a realistic target. You know, um, was Irish League football. Um, had a couple of trials across across the water and whatnot. But I think a realistic target for me was Irish League football, and that's what I've done since I've, uh, I've turned to eighteen. So. Um, yeah, I've I've done okay. I went from Green Island to Crusaders. Um, so okay. I did. And I, I was there for yeah, was I two two seasons, three seasons. Uh there was a bit of a story, a bit of a, a new manager came into the reserve team level and I had, we had a we had a sort of a fallout on the first night and, and whatnot and I knew I sort of I wasn't gonna be kept there. And it was very disheartened and, and whatnot. I was I was really disappointed. Um, but everything sort of happens for a reason. Um, Mark Sweeney at the time was 
he he helped me out a lot. He made contact with Balmina. Um, a guy called Clifford Adams, who gave me a phone call, told me to come up. Um, went up, had one training session, and I think at that time the boys were going to the Floyd Cup the following week. And he says we're full at the minute, but I'm actually going to try and make room for you because I rate you that you know we really rate you. And so I was only there a week, and um, the following week I was away to the Ford Cup, um, with him, which was a good experience. And uh, we got the final. Uh, we were beaten by Hibs, but I was you know I got player in the tournament and stuff now for Balmina and um. Glenn Ferguson at the time had taken over at Balmina and I was invited to go straight from the Ford Cup the following week to train and play a match for the first team at Balmina. I think we were away to Balmoney was and um, I played and done very well and um, so I, I continued to train and play for the first team there. Um, and that was leading up to the start of the season, which the left back at the time, I think, was Ross Black, who was suspended for the first game of the season. And um, Spike here, he, he had, was happy with what I was doing and, and sort of said to me a week before um, the opening game against Linfield, who were the reigning champions, he says, listen, I'm going to put you in. And... Um, I made my debut at 18 for Balmina and we beat we beat Linfield 2-0 on the day and that was that was that was a special day for me personally, you know, making my debut and uh you know beating Linfield in your first game and I got a, spe- a special mention from um Spike himself, you know, after um that I had done really well and you know because I think it was Jimmy uh, Jimmy Davidson, who had scored two that day, he got, he was now a young lad, uh, made his debut, I think, and he got all the headlines, but Spike went out of his way to give me a wee special mention, which which meant a lot coming from him, considering he's, for me, he's probably the best ever to do it in the Irish League, you know, so that was good for to play under him and, and, and learn a lot from him too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going in there in your debut against Linfield is one thing. You go to Ballymena, you're under a new manager. It's, it's Spike. You go in, you make your debut against Linfield, you, you win that game 2-0. What was Spike like to play for? What was he like in the change room as a young player coming up through? Yeah, that, all, this, all this, this all happened pretty quick. You know, for me leaving Crusaders, I think it was maybe um, five, five weeks, I think, max. You know, for me, being told, you know, uh, I'm being released sort of from the cruise and you flavor to making my Irish League debut. It was all a bit surreal and and, and, and mad, but he was on a personal note, he was he was great with me. Um so he was um you know sort of looked after me, told me what he expected and whatnot and um was good with me along with um Norman Kelly as well. He, they, 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 they sort of looked after me, and there was a lot of a lot of good experience in that Balmina team at the time. You know, um, like Davy Munster and Alan Jenkins. They, you know, they would look after me too. You know, on the pitch and whatnot, and 
you sort of you know, learn a few wee tricks and trades from them, you know, even just in training, you know, whether it's just a small wee block off or, you know, just just things that experienced players have. And it was it was good. It was good to, to learn all that. And it was a complete new experience for me coming from, you know, a youth setup and a first team setup. You know, there's it's like night and day as any player who's done the same would tell you that. And that change room, obviously, you've mentioned you know, Alan Jenkins and whatnot. What was the change room like? The camaraderie, the team ethic, the team ethos, and stuff at Balamina? I, if me, I, I thought it was, it was, it was brilliant. Um, there's probably a story that I can't say, but there's a few boys that you know went out of their way and they they look after they looked after me and so they did. And um, no, it was really good. It was it was a close. Uh, tight knit group, and um, you know, I was I I enjoyed every my every moment at Balmina, and uh, and playing under Spike. You know, I thought it was you know I, I was nearly starstruck at the time. It was as much as cringy as you want to say that main sign. You know, for a young lad, you know that's that's you know Glenn Ferguson standing in front of you as, as your manager, who's the you know the the best the best that's done it in Irish League. So it's. Yeah, it was it was surreal at times. Yeah, Spike was just scary good sometimes, wasn't he? You know, I always remember that League Cup final against the Crews where he came on and pretty much won them the final. Yeah. Um, he he um, stayed on the bench. <laughs> I'll not tell you the two names, um, but he he wasn't happy with two strikers, and we were playing a preseason game of Ballyclare. He wasn't happy, and he actually brought himself on for twenty minutes, and. It, <laughs> And he, he he had scored two in the, he scored two in twenty minutes and he absolutely bullied two centre halves and scored two headers and I'm just like, wow. And to be fair, he, he let loose after in the change room. Even though it was a pre season friendly, he wasn't happy with what with the team that day. And you know he sort of just made his mark. You know, and as that I was just like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I think it's it's class too, but especially from your perspective, as you said, you came from sort of youth football to the first team debut in a really really quick fashion. Do you think looking back that that really helped you? You didn't have those nerves or that idea of when am I going to play for the first team? It was just kind of you just went and did it. You know, you were... No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't be a type of person that would get overly nervous or overly worried. Um, but yeah, I think obviously how quick it all developed. Um, sort of it did help, and just the confidence they showed in me, um, back then, um, was was great. And Lee Dockery was 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 also great. He was, um, you know, he would pull me aside and you know just have we chat and whatnot. And don't worry about things, and and um, he actually told me. Uh, they said to me after the first game where they were actually worried about me playing the first game. You know. We're gonna to have to keep a substitution, you know, because I might cramp up, or you know that the legs might go no because I haven't played Irish League. I'm gonna get in against the champions here, and but it, um, it was five minutes to go, and I think I was just bombed down the line doing overlaps and, and whatnot, and they, they sort of just joked about that after the game, you know, which is um, Lee was was saying well, you're gonna to have to watch him carefully, you know, so that was good to sort of put him in. His place, you know, and not to worry about me because I, I was a fit young, I was a fit young lad back then, and even when we're doing our preseason runs and stuff, you know, 
all the, the elder boys, they used to look to try and avoid me and the running groups and stuff used to just pass me on to the next the next team, which it's all good. It's all a bit of crack, a bit of banter then, you know. So no, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed my time up there. Yeah, and you spent a couple of years up there before before leaving Balamina to go to Ards, where you know yeah. you became the the go, the goal scoring penalty king, so to speak. Yeah. So tell me about the decision to leave Balamina, and then why did you decide to leave, and then why Ards? It was well, not. It was not that I was a, such. A, I I wanted to leave. Um, I was out of. I had only. I wasn't a, a full professional contract. Um. Then I just sort of, sorry, I was I just saying one, you know, but it wasn't for, you know, it wasn't really worth a lot. But my contract was running done anyway, and Spike he he had lost his job, um, a few weeks before the end of that season, and David Jeffries came in, and, you know, I had done I had done well, a couple of games that I played, you know, starting to make my mark. And then I was I was sent off against Warren Point. Then I was suspended for the last three games of the, the season. And he obviously had to make decisions. Um, you know, and, and there was people in my position that were still in contract and I was out of contract. And you know, he just says, you know, listen, it's you know, we we're rated as a player and whatnot, you know, it's just unfortunate the way things have worked out. And, you know, I'm gonna have to move on, you know, but as I said, him walking out the door, you know, he's making a mistake and he'll regret it. And, you know, I'll prove him wrong. And I went to the Arge, um, done very well there um, for two seasons. And just as, as Crusaders came in for me, well, I mean, they came back in to see me at the, you know, at the same time, you know, and it was, it was David Jeffrey trying to see me again, which, you know, says, says a, a lot about him, you know, of, you know, he actually let me go, you know, and he was willing to, to come to, you know, sort of go back on his word, if you like, and, you know, try and get me to sign again. But I, I was sold on the on the Crusaders deal and, and sort of the full time stuff. Um, so my decision was to go there and had three great years. But going back to um, Ards, I, Ards was a, an opportunity for me to, you know, get back playing and, and just recreate myself again. Um, go on, go and play every week, and and you know get back to my best, which I th- thought I did do that. You know, over the over the two years, which you know, obviously, bigger clubs were then interested in me again. So I was doing something right there, and uh, ours is a great wee club. Um, a lot of time for the for the for the people around it, and the people that keep it going. You know, there's a lot of good people down there, and I hope to see them. Back, back up in the Irish League again sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, your time at Arch was good because you were able to go, you were you were playing every week, you were getting back to your best, and then the big clubs came sort of calling for you, which was, you know, you don't like to say it, but that was probably the plan. You know, going to the Arch is to go and play every week and do what you needed to do. And in, in, in essence, you were put in the shop window, you know what I mean, in, in that context. Yeah. We had, uh, Nal Curry, you know, he... I, I was thankful for him. He he said, I mean, he brought me down there and he gave me the opportunity to go and play, you know. But sort of the, the back end of that year, I, I just we had a few disagreements, and I think you know at the time poor down were after him, and I think it was either you know I was actually going to leave the club, um, and, and that 
January, but then he decided to move on and, and Colin Nixon came in and he was he was he was amazing. he was brilliant with me to be fair. You know, he just says, Listen, stick at it now. Um keep keep playing the way you're playing and, and listen, the big clubs will come and and you go and you go and do that. But my management, brilliant. Um enjoyed playing under him. Right. It was very enjoyable. Liked everything about liked everything about him and you know, he was, he, he, he gave me the confidence even more, you know, because he believed him. He says, you know, don't worry if you make a mistake or don't worry about anything, just go and you do you. And I felt like a main player, you know, which, which is good. And, and he was always, you know, talking to me. He was always, you know, I felt important, which as a player, you know, it's always great to have that feeling that gives you that extra, you know, five, 10% in your game when you know that you have a full backing of a manager. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think that time period obviously was really good for you. Was Krieger's down at Arts at that period of time? I think he was, but I'm, I'm just curious about my dates. I no, might be wrong here. No, no I sort of let, I, we sort of went the opposite way. I sort of went to Crusaders and he sort of went to Arts uh, at, at the time on how that worked out. No, I, we, uh, no, as I said for the cruise, he had, he had just left. I think he ended up signing him for Arts. Pretty much like a swap deal, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what a guy he is. He's he's a great he's a great person. I didn't play ever play with him, but he, he lives local, and um, you would say hello and whatnot, and you just hear great reports about him. Like he's a top professional. So you know, I was maybe Orange got the better end of that deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that now. I mean, yeah, you went yeah. to you went to the cruise. You put yourself in the shop window, and you had three good years at Crusaders. So, what was it that attracted you? Obviously, the Crusaders, the bigger club playing in Europe, that type of thing. But was there anything that really sold you to Crusaders that perhaps made you pick Crusaders over Balamina at that period of time? Yeah, there were five minutes down the road. It's not handier. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a serious no, on a serious note, it was it was you know. It, it was it was close because you know I know what Balmain is all about and I love my time up there but I, it was I was sold on you know the sort of like three quarter semi professional type thing and you know they're a top team they've been the top team for the last number of years and they were you know winning trophies and that's what I wanted to do I wanted to go there and, and give it the all and try and win trophies and, and experience European trips and football and so that's that that's what it boiled down to you know so it, it was close it was close to say it was a tough decision for me but um, I went with Crusaders and I hold no regrets because you know I went there and I, I enjoyed my time and uh, and that's that yeah I mean you had, you, you had some very good times there are some very good memories what um if we can if we can word it this way, what's it like playing at Seaview as as a player? I, I obviously love it because it's that it's that tight, small ground and I love that sort of feeling. What's your thoughts of on playing at Seaview and playing on the three, four G? I suppose you're used to it with odds, I suppose, as well, every week. I think not even at that there, I think my my age group, I'm on ninety three, I think I've came through nearly all my youth. Well, the back end of my youth playing on, on artificial grass, you know, that's when it started to take off. So I, I, I felt very used to it anyway. Um, 
But I see if you as a stadium. Um, I I love that. I love that. You know, when the fans are on top of you, and you know you're either getting applause from your own or appreciation from the the other the other team. I I love all that. There, you know, it gets it gets the adrenaline going. It's 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 good. You know, I I don't like grounds where you know the fans are far away and. You know, it just doesn't feel like the atmosphere is there. Um, but uh, artificial grass, it makes makes no odds to me, really. I actually prefer playing up now. A lot of older boys, maybe not so. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit tougher on their bodies. But as I say, I, I've came through my my time playing football, sort of playing on those pitches, so I'm sort of be more used to it, if you like. So you can see too. I think more of the league will go. You know the, the artificial. Yeah, route, well, I think. I think. I think Korean are going down that route now. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Korea, and there's somebody else. I can't remember who. I'm not too sure, but yeah, but no, sorry, Solitude they're getting Glenville. They're they're relaying there, which is was badly needed to be fair. So you know, it's it's good. It's better to play football on because you know the the grass pitches over here. With all due respect, you know. They're not the greatest. And when it comes into those winter months and it's a it's a slog, you know, it's sometimes the football's not pretty, you know. So I it's 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 for me it's I I enjoy playing on artificial grass. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean you go with those winter months and it's just you know, it's just mud and dirt and yeah, it's it's hard to play on, you know, yeah, versus you know, at least yeah. at least you know what you're getting. Yeah, a lot of the drainage on those pitches like wouldn't be great, and that's why you know there is postponements and games called off and you know, we you know what you're getting with the three G pitches, the game's gonna be played, you know, it's gonna be true to you. And I think you know, it's just a better few for everybody, you know, but don't get me wrong, I love playing in a grass money pitch, you know, the tackles are flying in and it's helter skelter and you know it's, it's that's I enjoy that part of it too, you know. So but it's for for maybe the football purely on football reasons and, and and as a spectacle, you know, it's probably but there is better football played on artificial grass. Yeah, and one of one of the things I think about that is as you're saying, a lot of the younger players are coming up and they're used to it already, you know, whereas when it was sort of first brought in, everyone's kind of adjusting to it. You know, does this team have an advantage because of this type of pitch? But now everyone's playing on it. Everyone's training on it. It's just become such a normal thing too. Yeah, I think that was maybe a way the crews had a bit of a, a really good home record back when it first started. Um, I heard, you know, teams complaining, you know, they're, they're playing on this and, I actually remember when I was at Balmina. We anytime we're going to play Crusaders, we would go up under their three G pitch and just train on it, just to get the feel of the bounce is going to be different. You know, the the pace of the ball traveling across the ground is going to be different. You know, but nowadays every everybody's playing on it. There's no real everybody's used to it. There's no no real advantage. I would say. Yep, yeah, absolutely, and. Speaking of, there's a specific game that I want to touch on. Um, I want to touch on the 2018-19 season because Crusaders went on a run to the Irish Cup final, played Balna Mallard, and multiple cover the final in a minute. But we we certainly had to beat a lot of the the bigger, stronger sides, and I say that respectfully to Balna Mallard on the way to that final. 
you played in that final, started that final. What did it mean to you to be playing in the Irish Cup final and to ultimately to win that cup final? What's your memories from that day that stick out to you? That was the reason to sign for Crusaders was those days, um, those big Irish Cup finals. I was unlucky with my time at Balmina with injuries and I missed out um, on an Irish Cup final. And even though we lost, it was just... The experience was horrendous, you know, not not getting out on the pitch and to do a warm up or, you know, get out and play or just it was I hated everything about it. But for for me for for that season, yeah, we I think I think we, we beat the Glens, Coleraine, Limfield. Uh I can't remember the other team. I think there was four big teams anyway that we had beat on the way to the final and there was a lot of talk of you know if we've got to the final line you know what's ball and ball out are we going to be complacent or whatnot there was not a chance but we were going to be complacent there's too many experienced heads in that team and we just were going to, have to be ruthless and we were that day we were very comfortable three nil winners but it's just the the whole you know getting suited and booted you know to getting the bus the bus to the ground and you know, the TV cameras there, the, you know, the bigger crowd is there. You know, you sense, you sense, you know, it's a big day, it's a big occasion. And, you know, um, it was, it'll be a great memory. It's probably my, it's probably my my highlighted um, in football terms is, 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 is lifting the Irish Cup with um, my, my daughter on the pitch and all too as well. That was, that was, that always, dreamed of um, was was having my my daughter on the pitch with me when I when I had the trophy. That was that was that was great. And it was a great day for the family as well to get out and and support me. But talk about memories after the game in the evening in the change room, you know, you, just you you sense that you've achieved something. You know, Cruz, I, I I don't think they had won an Irish Cup and I, and I can't remember the exact remember you'll be able to tell me how many years was it maybe it was 10 years 10 10 yeah <clears throat> Tec- decade years. yeah 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 so it was you know it was a big 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 day for the club too you know and obviously the, get the, the European um, place from it and which you know was, was great too so yeah it was a great day all around yeah, it really was. And you're right, that the build up to it, you know, you had the whole thing like, well, Crusaders be complacent. And then all the news stories was pretty much like the, the cameras were down at Balna Mallard at the primary schools and the whole everyone's coming up to, to go to yeah. this final. You know, the, the Cinderella story yeah. can, will Crusaders have their heads screwed on, yeah. all that sort of stuff. You see in the build up day of final within within the team, within training, is there that bit more intensity, that bit more of a bite, everyone fighting for places? What's the training like in the build-up to the cup final? To be honest, our training is, when we play those week games, is very, very competitive. There's no, you know, there's no people just go through the motions. It's, it's helter-skelter, it's physical. It's, you know, there's, we didn't slack off at all. And the more people talked about, you know, us being complacent or giving them the whole big build-up suited us, to be fair. It just gave us more motivation. And it was a final. It was an Irish Cup final. They haven't been there for 10 years, you know, so there was just, and 
with the experience there was in that team, there was just no chance that was going to um, be complacent. If you'd have maybe said it was it was a first round of a, a league cup, you know, where the, the managers maybe going to rest one or two players, you know, maybe then there might be a wee bit of complacency, but there was there was no chance that um, any complacency was going to creep into our performance on the day. I think it showed, you know what I mean, the, the early goal and, you know, yeah. especially for the neutral. The neutral probably was a bit frustrated that the Crusaders yeah. got the early goal, yeah. you know, if, if yeah, the yeah. longer ball the Mallard held on and maybe in the counter, you the Crusaders get nerves and all that stuff. But yeah. the early goal and then it, it was really, let's just put the foot down and we're seeing this out and winning the trophy. And you mentioned the family being on the pitch and your daughter and winning the trophy and having the, you know, the picture obviously with your daughter and the trophy and all that, you've got the memory that you always really wanted. You've achieved that, that sort of what you wanted to achieve when you signed for Crusaders. Did you dream or did you even think after that Irish cup final, you would get a European game in the Faroes before getting Wolves in the Premier League in the European games? You know, it's, it's quite storybook. I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, yes, the, the, it was great that season. We had a great year. Um, got us in Europe. I played most of that season. We won the County Adam Shield and obviously we won the Irish Cup. Um, we had sort of the yeah, answer. So that, that, that's us in Europe. And then we played a team from the Faroe Islands, which, um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of pressure now because we, we knew who was waiting on the other side, you know, so the boys were, you know, were well up for it. And I think the tie was, was, was one at CV, you know, um, we, we'd done the hard work. We just needed to go over there, over to the Faroes and sort of be professional. Um, and so we, we got the job done and I thought I played, you know, reasonably well on both of those games, um, which obviously led us into the Wolves game. But training up, the, uh, training, um, on the lead up to that game, you know, I had a bad feeling the way things were being set up. And then once we got over the Wolves, the manager put me aside, was listening, you know, um, you're, you're not playing. Um, the reason it gave me with, you know, I completely disagreed with. And everything about um, that Wolves game, um, even the, the game on TV, I hated every minute of it. Um, still, when people talk about it, it annoys me, um, basically because I thought, you know, I deserve to be playing, and I felt really hard done by, and felt like I've missed out on you know, an opportunity of a lifetime. So for me, it's it's I hate it every minute of it to be honest, and that's that's just being pure honest. You know, people might think you're mad. You know, even get over there, you're sitting on the bench. You know, just the experience of taking in the whole Premier League thing and a full house more than you and I didn't I didn't care I wanted to play I thought I should have been playing and um, I just I hated everything hated everything about Wolves apart from the night out the night out was good that night but that's about it <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's interesting you say you know the night out was good and it was great and you enjoyed that but yeah. go back to the actual Wolves portion I appreciate yeah. the honesty yeah. and I think it shows a lot about yourself as a player. Yeah. You know, you're not just there, I'm happy to be here, this is great type thing. There's a There was a frustration not being able to play. What does that do to you then after the Wolves game in terms of training and applying yourself and wanting to get back in? 
does that linger over you a little bit or is it I'm going to prove you wrong? You know, similar to the way you left at Balamina, was there a desire to quite improve the manager wrong then? I, I don't think it was about proving him wrong because I didn't feel that I was, you know, I had done anything wrong to deserve not to play. That was the most, you know, frustrating thing and, and made me angry, you know. And I was just sort of, my, I'm sort of, my wear my heart on the sleeve and I, I give, you know, 100% even if it is training or matches, whatnot, it doesn't change for me. So nothing really changed in terms of, you know, I didn't throw the head up or be, or be lazy or not be bothered. You know, I continued to be, you know, professional about everything, but I was certainly hurting. And I was certainly not pleased. Um, but I suppose that's football for you at times, and that's just the way it goes. And if I'm truth, if truth be told, I thought you know from that moment then, things never, things never really clicked and, and moved into place for me, Crusaders. I thought it was always sort of you know fighting against it, and so, so that's just football. Sometimes you know that's that's the way it goes, and you just sometimes got to take it in the chin and, and and deal with it and see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, I really appreciate the honesty in that. And it's it's interesting because because different players seem to react to different things. And, and you're obviously frustrated from really that point. You felt you were up against it. You didn't feel you were doing anything wrong and you're out of the team. And then this season specifically, especially I would say from Christmas onwards to maybe March, we went through a horrible run and the team was rotating quite a bit. And whether it was injuries, suspensions, the manager was trying different things, results weren't coming our way. What was the mood like in the camp? And what were you feeling looking at it? Because you were in and out of the team, but when you came in, you'd done quite well because I think it was the Carrick game, you came in, you scored and whatnot. What was what was this season like? Because it was quite a difficult season without fans, without COVID and all that type of thing. Yeah, when we, when we were going through a difficult period, you know, there was... Um... It was game after game after game. And people say, you know, it's, when you lose a game, you know, sometimes the best, another game can't come quick enough. I think that was the opposite for us. Because um, we just we, we just weren't clicking for one reason or another, whether it was injuries, rotation, you know, people in and out of form, no fans, not giving you that extra 10%, knowing you're down and you just need that weak boost. I just felt we had just, it was bad luck after bad luck, or it was you know poor performance, poor performance, good performance, not getting the results. Um, you know, it wasn't there wasn't a good place um to be around. But I'll I'll tell you that there's there's a couple of boys in that team that that changed that. There were was one was Billy Joe Burns and the other was sort of Phil Lowry. Um, again, Declan Cadell can be in that too. I think they sort of. We we had a we had a team meeting, and they bring all the boys together, and you know, bring everybody together, and made sure that we were a, a team then, because there was boys maybe getting small things, maybe just like not coming into the change room, getting changed over in the gym, and and not everybody being the gar, no one training nights and stuff, and we just had a, a real honest um, conversation between the players, and you know and. Sort of set up a week committee between the players, and they would go and speak to the manager if there was things wrong. Because there was some, you know, 
tensions were boiling over sometimes after games, you know, because every, everybody was hurting. Nobody's used to certainly Crusaders over the last number of years to losing the amount of games that we did. Um, you know, so people were maybe saying things out of frustration and anger and it was, it was just, you know, everything was a wee bit of a mess. But, you know, since, since that meeting happened, results improved and we, we did get that run going together in the Irish Cup and um, for the, to get into the European playoff place, you know, things, things improved drastically. And to be fair, I think next, even though I'm not there next year, I think creators will be bang up there at it next year. I think, you know, they're, I think the, they're going, they're going to, they're going to go after it next year after that year that we had there. Um, I think the mentality is right and the way the, a lot of senior players dealt with the situation was was impressive too, you know, and they're going, definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. Like, like, it's brilliant as a fan, you know, to hear about, you know, those leaders in the change room, you know, your Philip Lowry's and your Billy Joe Burns and Decky's kind of bringing the team together and saying, lads, this sort of has to stop them, whatever, but... Yeah. I agree with you for next season. I'm hoping that we come out, you know, a bit of as a wounded animal as if we've been wronged. And we probably have been wronged as you personally have been in terms of the penalty mm. and stuff. And we'll come to that in a second. But, yeah. you know, to come out hopefully as a wounded animal with a point to prove is, is hopefully the Crusaders that we see next year from my point of view. Um, to go back to that, you know, you had the whole semi-final fiasco with everything that happened mm. there. And then Crusaders, the appeal happened and that maybe took away from the result on the pitch and what was going on on the pitch with the appeal and everyone's like, is this appeal going to happen? Is the final going to happen? What's going on? But everything went ahead and then the European playoffs happened. Very good performance, you know, to get into that playoff, um, the playoff semi-final um, against Cliftonville penalties and your penalty at the time without seeing the replay. It looked in, I thought it was in, seen the replay, couldn't believe it. I've read an interview with you that you felt it was in right away. And looking back at it, is that hard to take? Or is that part and parcel of football, so to speak? Um, it was hard to take at the time because I felt responsible for um, what had happened because the manager brung, you know, I, I played the Glen Tour game. Um, it was it was a bunch of you know, kids and you know, I think it was more the manager who gave me the cat and arm, but just to sort of, I knew we, I think we both knew that you know the time was come there, and I think I was he pushed me to play a game was just the way, sort of thank you thing. I, I was just the way my gut feeling, but I was really struggling with a, I had, I had a back spasm, and I hadn't trained or I hadn't, I hadn't played. I was eating painkillers for fun just to get through the, the last couple of weeks of the season. Um, but he he was he says to me on on the training before the game, you know, listen, if when it comes to it, be all right to sit in the bench, and if needs be, will you take a penalty? Because I mean, yeah, not a problem. So uh, it was getting closer closer to the stage where you know if penalties looks like it was going to be, you know, the outcome. So he brought me on whatnot. I knew I was hitting a penalty, and I said, listen, I'm going to go fifth. Um, I says I have full confidence, you know. I'll hit the one with the most pressure. Um, I didn't, I didn't, the way things worked out, you know, it was a pressure penalty, but I didn't feel any pressure. Um, and I would I would tend to go um, quite high with penalties. Um, I, my record would, would suggest that, although that was a wee bit higher than what I liked. 
my initial thought it was in. It was close. I felt it was close, but I thought it was in because I turned my body to walk towards the halfway line. But I seen the referee like, like at the linesman, and they looked at each other for it must have fell to me like five ten seconds, and then he blew the whistle. And it was over, and then it was all a wee bit like a wee bit shell shocked, and then I sort of like you know it's it's over, it's done with. But and, you know I felt terrible, you know, but. Coming off the pitch, um, oh, I forget his name. Oh, it's just I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. But a photographer came over and says the BBC have already showed the balls clearly over the line. Now having got off the pitch then, um, but we got into the change room and you know I was I was angry at the time and everybody was up in arms. And manager said to me, "Listen, no, it's okay. You get you were brave enough to step up, hit it, and it's, it doesn't matter. You know I've never missed a penalty in my life and." And it's, don't worry about it. But then the boys are showing the the the, the pictures and the and the um the video f- uh, evidence and right away, you know, I've was I think I, I nearly lost the head even more and and sort of went down towards the referees room with with the manager and trying to um you know show them and give them the explanation and whatnot. And before I could even do that, before the criminal chairman he was already saying this we already know it's been over and we apologize for for how it's happened and he had no need to do that so that was fair play to him for doing that but the manager didn't see the officials and you know to be fair although it doesn't make it right um he was by all accounts very upset on what happened and and they were apologizing for um for what has gone on which a lot of people might think, oh, that's not good enough, and which it probably isn't, but it says a lot about those officials because a lot of other officials wouldn't give you the time of day, would just ignore you or tell you to go away. And, you know, at least they were sort of, you know, showing a bit of remorse and, you know, sorry for what had happened, you know, because there, let's be honest, there was a lot, of, a lot at stake, and you know, I was, you know, there's a chance of getting into a final and the club getting. Upwards of two hundred and fifty thousand, you know. So it's it wasn't uh, just your bog standard average, you know, error if you, if you like. So, um, you know, it was good that they actually you know opened up their mistake and were actually hurt by it, you know, because as players when we make mistakes and whatnot or bad, um, have a bad performance, you know, you do get hurt about our performance and assess it and stuff. So on that on that on that. Cases, you know, it was good that they they done that. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, you're just like you can't believe it. Your hands in your head, and you're sort of going, "That was in how how have, how has this not happened?" But when you look past that, when you actually, you know, hear about the referees being apologetic and really being sorry, it doesn't make it better. But you're right; it makes seeing that acknowledgement. It's like okay, there's at least it's something because you're right. There are other referees or people who would just ignore it, and even. Jared Lawler coming and saying sorry and stuff. He didn't need to do that, but you know it is. It's nice to hear, you know, that people acknowledge that there was a massive mistake made, and you know you've you mentioned you know your hundred percent penalty record. You know, if I was you, I'm still saying I have a hundred percent penalty oh, record. <laughs> nothing's, nothing's changing there. You know, my my phone had completely blew up. Like there was with people saying them. Um, Messages and phone calls, and even people that I haven't heard of in, in, in years, they go and that's end up over. And I, 
I was like, this is surreal. And I had, you know, telegraph around me the next day to do interviews and I had so many people, you know, it nearly went viral, I think. I think it was Stuart Dawson. I think um, Twitter had this sort of blew up as well. It was, you know, certainly controversial, you know, but that's, that's just what happens sometimes. I think sometimes when you see what the Irish League's trying to do and how much better the league has gotten in the last sort of 10 to 15 years and the, the coverage and what different, you know, the BBC's trying to do and implement and putting all the live games and all on, and then you see such a little basic error like that, it's so frustrating because it's almost like you do so much to bring the game forward and there's just something wrong or silly or stupid that brings it back to like, oh, we're still miles away from where we want to be. And it's really frustrating, I think, sometimes. Yeah, it is, but you know, we're we sort of, although a lot of clubs are trying to move forward towards a full time model, you know, them officials, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, defend them all the time because, you know, some mistakes they are, they are criminal, but you know, they're part time too, you know, they're not going to be the best of the best, which we have to, um, you know, remember too, you know, unless. There's a dramatic improvement in what way they go about their situation or, you know, their training or, or how they do things or are they bringing things forward, you know, the way um, the football clubs are, are trying to bring it forward. You know, there's a lot of ifs and buts at the minute. And yes, the league is is trying to improve and it has improved massively. You know, there's a lot, a lot of players that are going across the water and they're doing well. Um, that has played Irish League football, you know. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely on the up. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, that the officials thing is—it's a brilliant point. You know, they are they are part time, and unless everything is changing as a whole, everything going full time and whatnot, or trying to go full time, it's probably a bit frustrating when you see the clubs trying to go full-time and then maybe the referees are part-time maybe the IFA or whatever whoever it is isn't backing them or isn't pulling them full-time whatever it may be certainly room for improvement room to grow and hopefully we continue to see that going forward but um, back to your career after Crusaders and the season has ended and you have signed with Portadown and what makes this move interesting as well is your friend Skimmer Glenavon, you know, that little derby is going to be a little bit more fun for you two playing against each other um, this year. Uh, that will make a difference. I'll kick lumps out of them. <laughs> you know, it's, that's just the way I am. It's, it won't make a difference. Before he had been seen, you know, there'd be no, you know, there'd be no friendship there. It'll be, it'll be put to the side while the game's on. And then after, you know, it's, he'll be back to my, one of my close mates. Absolutely. So, what? Tell me about the move to Portadown then. Um, Matthew Tipton, um, of a one of my best friend, he's involved with the Portadown media team, heavily involved with Portadown. There speaks of, of of Tippy, as he calls him. You know, I don't know him, so I feel a bit weird calling him Tippy. Yeah. But he speaks of Tipton in in phenomenal fashion. You know, he's doing really well for the club. He's changing, but a lot of stuff behind the scenes, uniting the fans. You know, the We Are Ports initiative that my friend's part of. He says it's really going places. And so tell me about your decision to sign for Portadown. Why Portadown? They were the only ones that showed an interest in me, to be fair. Um, although they had showed the interest pretty, you know, early on, 
and um, it was all sort of done and dusted a few weeks before the end of the season and um, before probably any, anybody else knew about my situation but he was on the ball straight away um, I know I know um, actually I played with, I played with him for um, one or two years at Balmina so I, I know what he's about too and obviously I've, I've seen from a distance how things are going down there um, they are a sleeping giant they're, they're a massive club um, in Northern Ireland you know um, they, have a, they have a big fan base too and you know he seems to be driving them the right way um, they're certainly um, it was certainly good conversations that we had and to be fair as soon as I had the first meet with them you know I knew I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to sign for him um so I was I was just happy enough that you know everything worked out and um that's where we play my football next year I think you're 100% right about Portadown. You know, it's an institution. As history goes in the Irish League, they are a massive, massive football club. And they've probably, and I think Portadown fans would agree with me, they probably spent too long in the championship. That you know, Just whatever was going on at the club, behind the scenes, recruitment, whatever it may be, it just didn't quite work for them. But now that they're, they're back up, you can see the building blocks in place. And Tipton's very good at bleeding a lot of young players into the squad, young local players that are playing for the shirt and whatnot. Yourself, you're you're a bit more of an experienced player now. You know, I'm not going to say you're a veteran mm-hmm. or anything just yet, but you're a bit more of an experienced player. Going in there, you've probably had a few, <clears throat> you've probably kicked Tippy a few times, you know, during your times in the training pitch at Ballymena. So you know what he's about. He knows what you're about. Are you excited to get in there and get started? Yeah, it is a quite young squad. You know, I don't think a lot of them would have many, you know, maybe two or three, maybe four years max at at Irish League experience. Um, but um, it, it'll be good to get started. It'll be good to get the get to know the boys and hopefully we can, you know, have a good pre-season and a strong start of the season is always important. You know, it'll give us something to, to build on and certainly, you know, you'll be looking, you know, at least for the you know, the, the seventh spot, sixth spot, you know, European playoff place. I think that would be um, a realistic aim. Um, but, you know, it'd be first of all, you know, get ourselves safe and secure in the league for another year. And then it would be, you know, get that done as early as we can and, and just, you know, really try and push on and, and maybe have a, try and get a crack at, you know, hitting the top six, which would be very, very difficult, and that, that it's probably not a realistic target this season. Um, but you know, be one that um we'll be trying, we'll be trying to go for anyway. Certainly, that's just that would be just my views on things at the minute, without even you know speaking to the manager or anything. And that's just the way I, I would sort of see it and judge it for now. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think one of the things key about Portadown is with them being out of the league for a number of years and then coming back up and then last year being played behind closed doors largely, you know, this season for a lot of the fans who maybe didn't get to go to the game last year when they were first back up, this season they might even feel in a weird kind of way like the first season back up for them because they're able to get to the games. And I think the fans will come out in droves and support the club and I think that'll be very, very important. 
for Portadown going forward. Um, he did send me a question. Did the manager, to Matthew Tipton, hmm. whoever said I was having you on the show, he, he, he wants to know, how, he was having a laugh. He says, how much do you love the closed season programme that he sent you? <laughs> oh, so I just done the first one today. Um, it was uh, 10K, but it was 2.5K intervals. Um, so you had 10 minutes to do it, uh, four, four minutes rest. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was a horrible to be a fair, um, for a first, first preseason run. Um, but I think, I think it showed, um, at the minute, you know, I'm not in, in great shape uh, to be perfectly honest, because, um, with it being, um, a hectic season last year, their boys were coming in, playing, not training, playing again, you know, so I, uh, when I wasn't playing, you know, you can't, can't do as much training, um, you know, what you would normally do. And I sort of just, you know, the food motivation wasn't there to just go and do the exhibits um, that I should have been doing. Although I was doing, I was doing my own extra stuff, going to the gym and I actually took up a bit of boxing, you know, just to get, you know, that wee bit of cardio. But it's just, it's not the same intensity as, you know, as, as, as playing and, uh, and training hard. But um, I'm sort of I'm taking it serious now. You know, I have, I have a personal trainer, I have a dietitian. You know, and the more the more I listen to, you know, the bigger superstars. You know, they always say, you know, invest in themselves, and that sort of, you know, that sort of um, hit home when I started to reevaluate things. Um, when I, um, you know, when time with Crusaders ended, you know. I want to be improve myself even more, and I think you know, just investing in myself um, is is the way forward. Um, I had, as I said before, I had a wee a niggle back injury. I back kept getting back spasms from a um, a clash that actually happened against Korean. I think it was. So I, I went and seen the best um, crowd packer in the country, and I'm I'm at the best of if I think I've the best um, S and C coach in the country as well to be fair and you know uh, I'm I'm taking all that dead serious and I uh, hope to give that that's going to give me that extra 5-10% in the game next year We're looking forward to seeing you back on the pitch next year you know wishing you all the best at, at Portadown apart from when you play Crusaders of course um, I'm hoping that you don't have a great game there to be perfectly blunt <laughs> and you don't I come back to, anything less. <laughs> don't come back to bite us in the backside um, a couple more questions for you that were sent in on Instagram um, <clears throat> Sean Renee we started with Sean he sent in another question that says will you miss uh, sitting beside him on the old bus journeys yeah well we he was we um, we, we sat beside each other uh, on the on our bus journeys, I was always at the window and he was on the inside, and that never changed. Um, for the, for the duration that it was there, and each bus journey was the same, nothing changed. But we had some good, some good um crack on the bus, you know. The boys would probably play cards, but you know, the loser um got ear flicked, and like we were on some long journeys. And by the end of the bus journey, the boys' ears were bleeding and swollen. and it's metal <laughs> times, but like it's it was it was good crack. Like yeah, I, I enjoyed it. 
That's lovely to hear. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll miss me. He'll miss me more though. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure he'll be happy. It'll be lovely to hear that you'll miss him. But as yeah. you've, as you've thrown in, he'll miss you more. Um, yeah. Another one speaking about journeys. Another friend of yours from growing up, William Bingham, has asked about the drive home hmm. from Sense Nightclub. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. This 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 isn't great. This, and, um, well, we. Uh, we made a trip to Sands Nightclub. Um, me and him, just off the cuff, we were just sitting there like, do you want to go? Yeah, we'll go. Where we're going. So anyway, he 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 drove up. Um, he had a few beers. <laughs> had a few beers. He decided to drive back. Anyway, this isn't this is this is not doing me no favors. But anyway, um, on the way back, he uh, run out of petrol on the motorway at like half three in the morning <laughs> so I was like oh no this, this is terrible so I just I just flagged down uh, it was a car coming and I just flagged down a car you know from just please anybody so I flagged down it was actually a police car I flagged down so they get out they go fellas what's happening what's wrong and he's over the limit I'm a lot more than that he is I wasn't driving you know um, but they actually they took him down the the next paddle station, put paddle in the paddle canister, um, drove him back, and just basically says just make sure you get that filled up and uh, make sure you build up your speed and the hard shoulder before you enter the motorway again. Enjoy the rest of your night. <laughs> I was like, did this just happen? Did this just happen? I was like, oh no. So that's that story. I don't know where it's good or bad or not like, but that's how it went. That's how that's how it went down. <laughs> of everything or everyone you could flag down. I suppose there's probably yeah. one about two at the same time. You see the lights coming, you're like happy days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just seeing the lights, flagged it down as close to the guard. I was like, couldn't be, surely not. And it was. Please car hit me. Create this is gonna this is gonna end up in tears. But no, they actually just took him to get a paddle and bring him back and like nothing was wrong. I think they didn't expect him to have a have a few beers in him either. So anyway, that's how that that's <laughs> how that uh, went down. Brilliant, brilliant. Um you've been in obviously quite a few European trips with the cruise. <clears throat> and Jake Jones, um a cruise fan that I know has sent this question, and he's like, of all the people that you've seen in their induction. So to speak, who's the worst singer that you've had to sit and listen to? Oh, God. Um, there's a few boys that actually just paid the fine and didn't sing. I think it was like a 50 quid fine. They didn't sing. That's, <laughs> just had that's, how, that's how petrified they were. But like, I'll, I'll put myself forward for that. Um, I... Uh, I got up so in the departure line at the international airport um, <laughs> on our way to Slovenia, I think we were going. Uh, but the airport was jammed the pack and was horrendous. And again, Skimmer, who said he captured it on video, um, he videoed it. And I think it had like 2,000 views or something within like two hours or something, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was horrendous to be fair. But... 
at least I got up and done it, and and that and that was that. But the boys, the boys, they they have a deck of cards, and each time you know for it, each of the new boys that come, um, you draw out a card, and the lowest card, you know, that person has to sing in the destination where they where they tell you. And I drew out the card, and I was lowest, so I had to sing in the departure lounge at the international airport with I was three or four hundred people about. And like you had to stand up on the chair, you know, it's not like you're sitting down or you know, you actually stand up and be noticed that you're making a fool of yourself. So yeah, I'll put myself forward for that. It has to be done, that old team bonding, doesn't it? Yeah, horrendous, terrible idea. <laughs> um, who's the worst player to be on your team at training? In those really competitive games, who's just like, oh no, I have to do double the work now. <laughs> At the time when he was there, Sean Ward or Big Chicken, you think Wardy hadn't kicked a ball before? He's he was that bad, but and Big Chicken, Big Big Chicken doesn't move until the Saturday. You know, he's there's there's, there's no movement like there's, there's more movement than the flipping yard brush. He's you don't want you don't want them people on your team anyway. You're just you're you were playing with a man down. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, favorite away ground to play at? Mm, it's certainly not Moorview anyway. I don't think I've ever won a game there yet. I just never play well at Moorview. But away ground, um, solitude, I'd say. Just you like not not. Not because of the pitch, it's just because of the hatred that usually comes my way, and because you, you're so close to the fans, and I just I give it back to them, and they give me a bit, and I just I just uh, I enjoy that bit of that bit of bit of the game, you know. So, and it's just always a well, you know, you you it's just it can be that real physical tough game, you know. And, I enjoy I enjoy that part, so I would go solitude for me. Yeah, it's one of my favourite away grounds to go to. You know, obviously because of the rivalry and the passion and the fervency that everything that goes along with um, those North Belfast derbies is brilliant. And the way you walk in as a fan, it just feels like you're walking into like a prison or something. It's just like a, yeah, a wall, it's, it's, you know, uh, with a turnstile and the, the old barbed wire top of the fence or something. It just feels like you're going to like a prison camp or something. Yeah, even, a, even as player walking past, you know, that that big old stand, it's not great. You know, it's where they're, they're we... Um, Casuals like to stand, and sometimes you can like playing. You can smell the blue off them. You nearly, you nearly has a tight <laughs> plan, you know. But it's you know that because you're I am a fullback and I'm so close to them, you know. I I I, I get a lot of abuse up there, but I give it back to them. So you know, so no, it's it's good. I enjoy it up there. Were you were you always a fullback? Um, even as a kid, up playing through. No, I was um a centre midfielder. Um, that's probably where I enjoy playing the most, believe it or not. Just I was always a sort of defensive midfielder. I play, I played in the Mill Cup as a as a holding role midfielder, and I just I get it I get it by the pitch, you know. Um, I be you know fit, strong, aggressive, you know, win balls, keep it simple, pass it to the, the players that can can do the magic, and you know I had good discipline to. Um, you know, do what I was 
told it was, I was told to be a um I had a man mark a guy don't ask me his name because he played for McAfee Highway at the time um so I had <laughs> but he was their best player and you know all eyes were on him but I was told to man mark him and I, and I took him out of the game and you know that's you know I, I enjoyed in there you know and actually on that um that European playoff the manager was like where are you where are you going to play where are you going to play because he he was taking off Gary Thompson because you know. Um, he wasn't going to hit a penalty, and I was like, "Gavard, put me in the middle part. I played there, and I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about it." And he's managers are he's 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 a panic ball the best of times anyway. But no, I just um, I'll go in there and I can do a job for six months or whatever it was. But no, I, I would centre midfield and uh, uh, left midfield as well. But I played I played quite a few games left midfield for Balmina. Um, you know when when maybe we were playing at, at bigger tougher team and you know they were maybe strong down their right hand side you know because the manager would trust me to you know do the defensive side of the job very well and sometimes you know he would deploy me there for for those reasons so yeah I played a, played a few positions do you feel sometimes and I always think this as well you know when you get someone with a with a left foot they kind of always get sort of shoehorned into that sort of left back position yeah um, yeah that's yeah, that's, that tends to what happens, you know. If you're if you're not, not, not like, not, I, I wouldn't be slow, but I wouldn't be, you know, have the full rapid pace of a winger, you know, or the trickery, you know. So you, I'm just, I would be your typical steady, you know, average you know, winger type player, you know. I wouldn't have a lot about me, but I could I could do a job if required. But um, yeah, you sort of just feed your way back, and you end up as a centre half or left back. And then if you don't make that, then you're really struggling. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it tends to go. That's absolutely brilliant. I mean, <clears throat> the last question I have for you is, I'm not going to say who sent this in, but they have asked for the most memorable or funny team talk that you've ever heard as a player. Oh, jeez. Uh I would probably say Nal Curry, um, one of his team talks, basically because um, my good friends, um, William Bingham, can do a great um, double act as him. And, you know, he's he can do his accent, the T, and he was just one. He, he came to one of the games before, and the way down the car, he was like, this is what he's going to say because he played under him too before and this is, this is how he's going to say it and this is what he's going to do. And I went into the change room for the first time and it was literally as he said and how he said it. But his what got me in stitches was, you know, him doing the double act on the way down the car. It was, it was like, it was funny and he, he does, he does, he's done a few videos of it before and yeah, it's, it's brilliant. He's a double act but that's probably not a, a great Example, but that's just a, a more personal for me. Um, as a team talk, you know, uh, him doing the impressions sort of before the game, and that's without trying to, to offend anybody. So I'll just keep it 
I keep, I'll keep it at that. <laughs> nice PC answer. Yeah. <laughs> not that yeah. doing fair to anybody, but you've all dropped, yeah. you've dropped, well, you've dropped um, William Bingham in it a little bit. If uh, if Nan yeah. Carver listens to this and tries to recite him again and f- finds yeah. out Bingham sort of sending, I don't know, doing I, things and pretend to be I Nan think Carver. already knows to be fair. He does I? <laughs> I, think he, I think he might have, I think he knows. Yeah. I think, I think he actually caught him doing it before. <laughs> not, but yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep that one boring. Absolutely brilliant. Well, we're about to wrap up, but one of the the last question I have for you it's from obviously my best mate. He's part of the media team down there, Porta Down, and he he said it's great to have you joining the club. He's he's excited to see you playing for them, and he wants to know when are you coming on the Porta Down preview show, the podcast with Neil and Dave. When are you going to come on? Will you come on for them? Um, if they slip me a few quid and a couple of beers, yes, I'll <laughs> I'm sure he'll sort you out with a few beers. He had to pay. He had to pay Carney fifty quid last year over some bet. He put he's put something. Oh, is that right? If you keep a clean sheet or something, I'll pay you. You'll get an extra fifty quid or something silly. And uh, <laughs> he ended care. up he had to open his wallet, so he. Uh, I'm sure he will. No, Before no, no. <laughs> joking around, of no, course. Come like. on, oh, come on, uh, anytime, anytime. Tell them to make contact and well, we'll arrange it. Out. Well, Michael, yeah. this has been a good conversation. Brilliant, brilliant fun. I'm really glad that I've had you on the show. So thank you so much for giving me an hour out of your out of your busy Saturday. And um, yep. come on and chat away about your football career. Really appreciate it and wish you all the best with Portadown next year, apart from when you play Crusaders, of course. And I wish you double yeah. the luck against the Reds to make up for the lack of luck yeah. for the Crusaders point of view. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. That was Michael Ruddy. I was Darren Potts. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation. Just a reminder, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Pottscast to see any upcoming content. Have a great weekend.